Hello and welcome. This is Reverend Mark Bishop, Interim Pastor here at St. Paul United Church of Christ in Wapakoneta, Ohio, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We say this because we try to live God's extravagant welcome. You are always welcome to be a part of our family at St. Paul UCC here in Wapak. May God bless us abundantly as we worship together. For those here and online, for those who don't know me, my name is Anthony Brookhart, in, intern pastor here at St. Paul United Church of Christ, uh, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. In 1995, the Hubble Space Telescope spent 10 straight days in a unique experiment staring at a dark, seemingly empty patch of sky, about the size of a pinhead held at arm's length, near the Big Dipper. The goal was to see what, if anything, could be found there. The result was astounding. Take a look at the picture up here on the screen. A collection of thousands of galaxies in various stages of evolution a glimpse back in space and time that revealed a universe full of previously unrevealed wonders. So you've heard Pastor Mark say it multiple times regarding the lectionary text, and let me tell you how much it falls true about today's text. I would never have picked this text to start off Advent. At first glance, today's text is so far from what I would have picked myself to start off Lent once every three years, but once I spent some time gazing at this text, just like the photos from the Hubble telescope, an empty spot turned into a beautiful picture of many things to learn. Today's lectionary text seems to tell of a terrifying story. It sure didn't seem to be the story I wanted to focus on this week. In fact, up until about three weeks ago, I had planned on going a completely different direction. I wanted to start off Advent with my favorite story of the season. In Matthew 2, in the times of King Herod after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. 
asking, Where is the child who has been born the king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. I was looking forward to talking about how the Magi, the wise men, listened to the words of the prophets before them. They paid attention to the scripture that they knew. They knew that it was written in Genesis, and God said, Let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. These wise men, they paid attention to the cosmos, awaiting that heralding sign in the sky. Now, these were not hokey-pokey, voodoo-y, tripped-out, horoscoping hippies. These men were educated scholars and scientists. You know, there's such a concern with science about it contradicting what the Bible says. And I believe there's something special about science that could help us cement our faith even stronger if we are willing to gaze, if we are willing to explore. There's much debate among scholars today about that sign in the skies. And what actually was it? Does it matter? Now, if you want to hear, to steal a praise from Pastor Mark, the Gospel of Anthony Brookhart. I'd be happy to sit down for lunch or dinner and talk about all my studies of what I lovingly call his star. And we could talk about eclipses and comets and conjunctures and retrograde motion and travel of the Magi and celebrations of biblical times. And we could look at moving projections of planets and constellations in the early BCs and all sorts of amazing things. But, in the big picture, I don't think it completely matters whether it was a miracle or whether it was an actual cosmic occurrence. I think it's more of our modern-day intoxication of learning more and knowing more that causes us to desire to know exactly what was that sign. So it is particularly in that mindset in which we must approach today's lectionary. So as most of you know, my husband Tyler and I are hosting Aaliyah, an exchange student from Switzerland. As we were preparing for his arrival, someone dear to me who had decades of exchange program experience brought something to my attention. I had made a Facebook post this summer about how excited I was to get fresh rhubarb from a parishioner and how I was going to make a sacred pie recipe. Well, this recipe was my grandma's, and when I said sacred, it was hyperbole for it being dear to my heart. Well, this person painted a picture of someone for whom English may be a second language. She painted for me a picture of someone reading that post of mine and knowing that I'm pastor, reading sacred pie. 
and thinking we are some weird religion that worships a raspberry rhubarb pie. <laughs> now, Aliyah has been here for more than one Sunday, and thankfully, even after tasting said sacred pie, he knows we don't worship pies here. But it sure made me think of how my creative writing may be a bit more complicated for, for an English as a second language person. This is how sometimes we need to look at Scripture. We need to look at the Bible as a second language that has been translated many times. We need to understand when, when it was written, who it was written to, how it was written, who wrote it, what was happening when it was written, and so many other details. So like I said, not only would I have not picked the scripture for today, I sure would not have broken it out into this single section because there's more important information on the bookends of this specific passage. We start the scripture talking about some terrifying things. Now, to understand what this might mean for us, I encourage us to look at this first section as painting a picture. This text comes after Jesus' predic Jesus's prediction that the temple would be destroyed. Uh, the speech responds to the question, when? From the standpoint of Mark's original readers, around the year 70 of the Common Era, much of this speech sounds like commentary on the Jewish revolt against Rome and the destruction of Jerusalem. From our standpoint today, however, the year 70 of the Common Era hardly qualifies as the end. And no, no matter how traumatic that year was at the time, Jesus urges, what I say to you, I say to all. Chapter 13 of verse 37. Indicating that his words apply beyond his immediate circle of disciples to Mark's readers and even to us. So today I encourage us to look at this not as a timeline and details of one specific event and look more as if Jesus is talking of multiple events, giving the bigger picture that in our lifetime and many multiple lifetimes that there will always be bad events. To Mark's original readers, the worst possible thing to happen in their lifetime was the destruction of the temple. Maybe in our lifetime we could compare it to being in New York City on 9-11. Or like the show Designated Survivor, seeing our entire government being destroyed. Or insert your own worst scenario here. Think of how one may talk about how it feels in such a horrific event. The picture that we paint in fear and in horror. Amid the smoke of battle, the fog of politics, the confusion of economic distress, the babble of what of would-be leaders wearing God masks and claiming divine authority, how shall we know which way to turn? God's people should not be surprised or confused 
Because Jesus warned us ahead of time that such things would happen. In this story of a man going on a journey and the doorkeeper, Jesus is the man going on a journey. And his followers, including us today, are the doorkeepers. There are two things important for us to remember. No one knows. And keep awake. Jesus is telling his followers that no one, not even the angels, not even he, the Son of God, has the answer to their questions of what's going to happen and when. Now, we know the bigger picture. We know more of the story of all that Jesus has said. We've heard this sort of sentiment before. In Matthew chapter 6, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And you not of more, are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? We tend to worry a lot about what will happen. How we will get through this horrible thing. What's after this life? How will it occur? Am I going to be okay? How will God look upon my life? Will I be told, well done, good and faithful servant? We, got, we get caught up in what has not happened yet. From Jesus' lips to when Mark was written to us today, Jesus is saying, even I don't know when it's going to happen, so stop worrying about the end and stay awake now. Just like the leaves and the buds on the fig tree promise that fruit is to come, when you see bad stuff happening, stay awake enough to know that God is near. And let that be what helps you endure until Christ comes in glory. Keep awake. Like the house hunter who noticed the train tracks on moving day, but later sleeps through the whistles and the engines that rush by. Let me tell you, I live that firsthand. We can miss the thing in the, season, in the season of Advent that might have been most obvious and important at one time. The coming of Christ. We may not be physically asleep, quite the opposite, in fact, but in our wakefulness to worldly ways, we fall, we fall asleep to spiritual things. And sometimes we need a wake-up call, a reminder to pay attention to the ways of evil around us and ways where we can share God's love. The powers that be will lull us to sleep by reassuring reassuring us that they have our best interests at heart as they pursue their worldly agendas. They play to our fears, our prejudices, our self-interests, so, so we do not notice their evil behaviors. Be aware. Keep alert. Keep awake. The basic message of apocalyptic visions is this. 
The rebellion against the reign of God is strong. As the wicked oppress the righteous. Things will get worse before they get better. But hang on just a little longer. Because just when you are sure you cannot endure even unto death, God will intervene to turn the world and the kingdom right side up. So in this Advent season, we find ourselves in a position of already and not yet. The Christ child has already come into a dark and hurting world of oppressed people that surely felt as though on some days the sun was blotted out and the powers of heaven were shaken. When will their Savior come? And has Christ returned in glory? Not yet. So stay awake. Keep looking to the stars. Keep looking for the ways in which we can radically and extravagantly share the love of God. The time has not yet come. So in the meantime, keep awake. Keep your hope alive. God was there to hear your warning cry. And when the evening it gently closes in and you shut your weary eyes, God will be there as God has always been with just one more surprise. Amen. We pray that you have found blessing and enrichment in joining us for worship today, as we are truly blessed to have you worship with us. Peace and blessings to you, and thank you for joining us today. If you would like to support the ministries of St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, you can do so in three ways. First, you can mail in your gifts to St. Paul at P.O. Box 147, Wapakoneta, Ohio, 45895. Secondly, you can send your gifts online from our website, stpaulucc.com. Lastly, you can text the amount you would like to give by texting us at 844-971-1800. Come join us again at St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, where, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.